Hi, I'm John Frankie for SearchSAP.com. Today, we'll be talking about globalization, localization, and internationalization. We'll be looking at the market for localization services, tips for those considering expanding to other countries, and companies that are currently localizing well, including how SAP is doing. With us, we have Stephen Ryan, chairman of the Globalization and Localization Association, GALA, and he's also marketing director for Moravia Worldwide. We also have Don De Palma, a member of GALA, an industry analyst, author, and corporate strategist. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. And to get started, Stephen, do you just want to introduce us a little bit to what GALA is and what you do there? Sure. Uh, so again, I'm Stephen Ryan from Moravia Worldwide. We are a localization service provider headquartered in the Czech Republic, uh, and I'm also uh, chair of the uh, of, of GALA. So what is GALA? GALA is the uh, the international nonprofit association of the supply side of the language industry. Uh, we represent translation and localization service providers, uh, tools and technology companies. Uh, publishers, uh, consulting companies, and GAL exists to support our client companies, uh, enterprises who seek to make uh, globalization and localization uh, a part of their strategy, who seek to bring their, their products to international markets. Uh, the association was founded not so long ago, in 2002, with 15 companies, and uh, we have uh, fairly rapid growth. We're uh, now uh, close to 250 companies uh, based worldwide. Uh, so again, I'm I'm Gallup board chair. I work with a uh, a volunteer board uh, to support the organization, to support our member companies through a number of initiatives, uh, including participation at events, uh, cooperation with tools and technology suppliers, and uh, and these kinds of things. And with us, as as you mentioned, John, today is our friend and colleague Don De Palma, uh, principal at Common Sense Advisory, uh, a leading uh, industry consultant and a longtime Gallup member and supporter of the association. Thank you, Stephen. Common Sense Advisory is a research and consulting firm. We work with companies uh, on the technology, services, best practices side to help them improve their global business practices, their websites, their, their products. In terms of GALA, GALA is an organization dealing with the supply side of, of these issues, so we talk with many of the companies inside of GALA as well as uh, with the companies uh, that they supply, uh, organizations that are on the, the buy side of the translation question three words you see a lot are globalization, localization, and internationalization. Can you guys briefly explain to us what those all mean? Uh, sure, John. It's Stephen here. Uh, how we view globalization uh, is, is the process uh, that an enterprise, again, seeking to bring their product uh, to global markets, the process that they would uh, apply to prepare to globally launch a product. Uh, and that would include uh, you know, multiple aspects, uh, including one of those other uh, words you mentioned, localization, which I'll, I'll address in a second. But to, to uh, globalization would involve establishing an integrated localization process throughout an enterprise after a product had been uh, internationalized, the third word, uh, and, and product design considerations uh, evaluated and reviewed. So it, it could involve revision of existing business processes. So how you develop software and publish uh, supporting documentation. As part of viewing an effort towards globalization, you would consider how you would perhaps change these business processes. You may also change marketing approaches, uh, how you 
uh, publish uh, your website, both in terms of uh, the content but the language of the website. So what is localization then? Localization is adapting uh, a product to the specific target uh, language, international language and culture, so that that product, when viewed and used by the user in that target region or target country, seems natural to the user. Uh, localization, of course, includes uh, the, the very large element associated with language, uh, i.e. translation, but also, um, especially for the case of software products, could consider things like keyboard usage. Uh, how a user in Germany uses a keyboard is different than how we might use a keyboard in the United States. Uh, localization includes uh, technical aspects such as date formats, time formats, of course, currency conventions. Uh, and it might also consider more subtle nuances such as the use of graphical images uh, or even color that may be appropriate in one uh, region or locale maybe wouldn't be appropriate in another region or locale and would need to be localized to those conventions. Stephen, to um, add to that, dipping even deeper into the, the value chain inside a company, what you find is that localization will affect many of the internal systems, the uh, ERP systems, uh, the transactional systems, the database systems. So what you might see on a, a website as a really convincing uh, localization might fall apart when somebody later on tries to buy something from that website because the back-end systems have not been adapted to actually do business in, in that particular country. Then the third word that you had mentioned that, uh, that you see frequently in, in research uh, is internationalization. And, and that's the process, uh, typically a very technical process, of generalizing a product to effectively make it localization ready. So to ensure that a product can handle inputs and outputs for multiple languages and uh, multiple um, cultural conventions, keyboard conventions again, uh, currency um, and mnemonics and so on. Uh, and to do that once so that the product is internationalized, it's localization ready, and it doesn't require redesign and redesign and redesign. How big is the localization market? And I would imagine it's growing. This is Don here. The uh, market's growing at a fairly steady pace paralleling uh, growth in uh, the world economies. We figure that the externally outsourced parts of the translation, localization, internationalization business is somewhere in the neighborhood of around $10 billion per year worldwide. You'll hear numbers that are lower. You'll hear numbers that are higher. Uh, this is an estimate based on uh, work we've been doing over the last several years. It does not include the work that is done inside organizations as part of the engineering process uh, where more companies that are more advanced in the localization uh, function tend to build a lot of these capabilities right into the product uh, development cycle. doesn't include uh, work that might be done on websites internally in order to support uh, this, but it's just the amount which is paid from uh, companies that require translation and localization and, and other uh, similar services to organizations that, such as Gala's membership that provide those capabilities. Are you seeing that companies with a global presence, or those that would like to expand into other markets besides their home market, are recognizing the need to communicate locally outside of their home turf? John, it's Stephen here. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, of good and interesting research. Um, Cal State uh, University Chico campus has a, a localization program, and they do some very interesting things 
uh, things and research. And, and recently, they published uh, a piece called Strategic Role of Localization in Multinational Enterprises, uh, which, as the name uh, would imply, they surveyed multinational companies to, to see just how important the companies in their survey considered localization in achieving higher revenues. So specifically, when they asked the question, how important is localization in raising overall company revenues, uh, fully 65% considered localization either as important or very important for achieving company revenues uh, or achieving higher company revenues. And when they refined the question a little further to say, how important is localization to achieving uh, increased uh, revenues from global operations, that increased uh, from the 65% to 74%, uh, so three-quarters, saying that localization is important or very important to achieving increased uh, revenue from global operations. However, interestingly, <laughs> yeah, in, the, in the same survey, they considered um, uh, and, and examined multinational websites, and fewer than half are fully localized. Just under half have some localization. Uh, just over a third are fully localized, and 15% uh, of the uh, multinational websites examined in that same research had no localization at all. On the flip side of that, uh, we've researched here at Common Sense Advisory uh, for a report that we published last August, uh, which was called Can't Read, Won't Buy, which gives a, a bit of a teaser into what the report is about. We did a survey online of uh, 2,400 consumers in eight non-English-speaking countries asking about their buying attitudes and preferences online. Uh, the surveys were in the local language, so we removed that, uh, that issue. And we found that across the board, uh, people were far more likely to buy if they were addressed in their own language. At one level, this shouldn't be surprising. At another level, considering the, the data that uh, Stephen just shared with us, it is surprising because of the demand side that the consumers are saying, they want information in their own language, and companies aren't offering it. They're immediately cutting that purchase off at the pass. Uh, one of the uh, other things that we discovered was that the need for language increases as you move through what we call the sales funnel. Uh, when you initially engage with a company, say at a website, uh, you might be turned on or turned off by the availability or lack of, a, uh, of information in your own language. As you get deeper, browsing, shopping, looking around for stuff that you need, language becomes even more critical. When you get to the shopping experience itself or the buying experience where you want to make that a faithful click and, and buy something, you may quickly find out that it's not just a question of, of language not being supported, but also your credit card coming from a, a country other than the U.S. Is, is not supported. And then finally, and this was really a, a startling factor, is when we got to the post-sale support part of the equation, we found that the pendulum just swung completely to the other end, whereas people were pretty tolerant about no English up front, or rather no local language up front. By the time they got to the need to deal with a, a broken or non-functioning product, uh, nearly everyone uh, said that they uh, required local language support uh, for, for their purchase. Now, what is keeping companies who should be localizing from doing so? And how can they get over it? Well, there's a, a lot of good reasons, uh, uh, as well as bad reasons, for, for not localizing. One is that you, you don't see the opportunity. And for a lot of organizations in very large markets like the United States, you could do quite well 
uh, economically, financially, uh, growth-wise, marketing-wise, by focusing only on the English-speaking market of North America. Uh, so th they don't see a need to grow. In other cases, they just don't have the money to do it. It's Although it's a very well-established practice of how to go from to take a, a product or a set of manuals or a website from being in one language to being in multiple languages, it, it does cost money. It does take planning. The stuff that uh, Stephen talked about before, internationalization, localization, translation, requires some very stepwise planning and changes to your uh, product development cycle, to your information life cycle, uh, management, even uh, to all of your, your critical internal systems. So uh, they may be unwilling to make that investment. I would say, too, there's the ill-perceived, uh, as Don often puts it, conceit uh, that everyone speaks English, which is not the case, of course. Uh, actually, as you get into the server rooms in IT organizations, the conceit is indeed uh, English is enough. Uh, we've seen this repeatedly in uh, reviews that we've done of products uh, intended for international markets. The product uh, localization often stops at uh, administrator and developer interfaces uh, so that the product requires bilingual administrators and developers. And as you get into other market sectors, uh, heavy data analysis kinds of applications, uh, for example, human genome projects or large-scale physics applications, uh, the assumption is uh, English is a common language to all of these researchers, and uh, they do a lot of their, their work in English, so why should you even bother localizing the products? Can you guys give us a couple examples of companies that are doing a particularly good job with localization? Sure, John. It's, it's Stephen here again. Um, the one that comes to my mind immediately uh, and, and almost as an of course is Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Microsoft has been localizing operating systems and products for, for many, many years in many, many languages. Uh, and it's no surprise that, uh, that Microsoft is mature, has uh, strong processes, has uh, mature management of their partners and suppliers, has clever use of technologies, their own technologies, as well as commercially available technologies that enhance and support the localization process. I also think of companies like Tektronix, the uh, test and measurement company, who have really embraced uh, XML and had developed a process around XML to publish information and, and with that a localization process where they can output XML packets to their localization suppliers, receive them back again, re-import them into their systems and publish swiftly and easily. Companies, as you get closer to the, uh, the consumer, tend to uh, have a pretty good uh, capability in, in this respect as well. A couple of other companies that uh, we've run into with uh, excellent localization programs are HP and Symantec. And those are two organizations, for example, in the case of HP, uh, they're selling enormous numbers of printers every year to consumers around the world. And so each of their uh, distributions involves uh, instructions in three dozen languages. And to make sure that a product as, let's say, commoditized as a, a consumer printer uh, that might go through a new revision every few months to, to get that done in three dozen languages uh, every few months requires a strong foundation of localization. Symantec, with its antiviral capabilities, has, uh, has the same issues in dealing with uh, tens of millions of consumers worldwide. And how is SAP doing with their localization efforts? SAP is doing very well. They translate their software into every major language. That includes all European languages for most of their products. 
and at least for all of their large products like Business One and R3, uh, they do Asian languages as well, plus uh, I believe most of the languages of the Russian Federation. From a product perspective, as uh, these uh, high-end products go out the door, they're localized for the markets, and, and they're, they're dealing with that wide range of constituencies inside a company using SAP products, including the, the developers, the administrators, and the end users. They also have done a good job on their website, which is, uh, has been localized into a lot of languages as well. Uh, I think more than the actual number of, of localized products that they have. And from what I understand, that hasn't always been the case for SAP. No, it, it wasn't always the case. Um, I first encountered SAP when I was an analyst at, at Forrester back in the 90s. I recall when R3 was introduced to the States, and I believe it was 1993. It was well uh, ahead of a lot of the competing companies in the, uh, at that time, MRP space. And as I, I looked at what was available from some of the competitors at the time, like McCormick and & Dodge and Dun & Bradstreet, and found SAP far ahead of the pack and said, said so in a, a, a brief that I wrote it at the time. And almost immediately, I received a, a bunch of emails from our clients who said, how can you say this? This product is just German at its core. Every time you turned around, there would be a, a German message popping up. And the underlying data schema uh, had all of the column names, field names in German. So. Uh, Unless you had an undergraduate minor in German, there were probably a, a lot of errors and, and problems with the software that you just couldn't get by. And so uh, SAP, as it grew into a worldwide uh, software uh, development company, uh, certainly seems to have invested in both in the localization of the product and also in a lot of um, local alliances with integrators, which in advance sometimes of localized product allowed them to install a, a, uh, an SAP product in a market and then uh, have sort of an on-the-job training of that product into the local language, which ultimately got fed back into the SAP development process. Can you give a little primer for those companies looking to expand their geographic presence? This is Don. Again, the first thing that I always encourage companies to do is figure out why they want to do this. It's convenient to say there's 190 some odd countries out there and gee wouldn't it be nice if we could sell into all of them and uh, that practice we call boiling the ocean uh, it's impractical and uh, has never succeeded so the, the very first step is to say okay what is it you want to accomplish what are your desired outcomes and one of the uh, desired outcomes might be to say okay for this set of developed economies we want to be able to, to sell our product, to, to support it, to service it, to uh, make sure that we have a good revenue stream from that market. So it's, in that sense, a very stepwise practice of doing what you do domestically when you choose to go into a, a new market or address a new audience or bring out a new product, which is look at the, look at the market, see what the suitability of that market is for your product, determine what the economically active population for that market is that might be interested in buying your product. And once you've done that, determine whether your product makes sense for that market on a variety of different uh, levels. Uh, let's say, is it something that people would be inclined to buy? Is it something that uh, there's no local alternatives for, that there's uh, or 
uh, the economists might say that there's no reasonable substitutes for. And at the end of this process, you have a pretty good idea of whether this entry into a given market makes sense. And then you reproduce that decision-making process across uh, all of the markets that at first glance might make sense for your, for your uh, product or for your website or your company. I would also maybe add things like involve cross-functional teams inside your company. So involve product management, but also software development, technical documentation, marketing, uh, web publishing, and of course, senior management. And know if you take the, uh, the learned decision to, to go to international markets and to, to, uh, to localize your product, know that you are globally prepared. Is your product fully internationalized, as mentioned before? Or do you have, uh, for example, legacy uh, code uh, lurking in the background that might sneak out and, and appear as German strings, as Don mentioned uh, earlier, can happen? And I would say um, involve um, the professionals. Uh, seek professional help. Involve uh, consultants who are familiar with the processes associated with internationalization to internationalize your product. Uh, with translation and localization to look at your existing business processes and how your software development team interacts with your technical documentation team, interacts with your marketing team, uh, to make sure that you have your processes in place when you are ready to start localizing. And, of course, involve professional translation and localization suppliers. Gala member companies uh, are exclusively in-country native translators. So when, you, when it's time to go to France, the linguistic uh, aspect is, is critical and crucial, and the French must be done by a native French speaker in France, and the same with Chinese, and the same with Russian, and so on. One thing that uh, Stephen mentioned was process, and I think that's a, a really big word here. Process will enable you to make this a repeatable function, that you can go into a, a market, that you can support a, a language or what we call a locale, the combination of, of language plus all of the things specific to that language as it's used in a country. So all of the logistical pieces, all of the cultural pieces, all of the uh, transactional credit card pieces. But to make sure that you can do this over and over again, because as the SAP example I mentioned before shows, that company's been at it for what, 14 years now, uh, going from where it had a, a product which was substantially German under the covers to one that is uh, now a, a world product that works well in, in dozens of languages. But in order to continue selling into multiple those multiple markets worldwide, the product has to be upgraded, enhanced regularly, and that means that you need uh, to integrate the localization process into your software development or product lifecycle and into the documentation lifecycle so that each time you come up with a, a new version of R3 or Business One, you're able to ship uh, all those variants of the product, if not on the same day, at least within days of each other in a process uh, in the industry is referred to as simultaneous shipment. Uh, so it's this continuing obligation to uh, extend, to modify, to support the product in each and every one of those languages over time, especially in this, this category of enterprise products where people aren't really buying an instance of a product. They're not buying an you know, R3 version X.1. What they're buying is a commitment from SAP or Oracle or IBM or HP or any of these uh, enterprise suppliers to provide an enterprise class 
uh, product for the six or eight or, or ten years, which is the average lifespan of an enterprise class uh, implementation. And what is the market for third-party language services to help with localization? The, um, the market for language services is uh, a very fragmented one. Every year we've been publishing, for the last uh, uh, few years, we've been publishing a ranking of the uh, top 20 translation companies. As you recall, I mentioned this was a uh, roughly a $10 billion market. The top 20 companies in this space produce less than 20% of that number. Uh, the largest company is actually doing uh, a lot of defense and military and intelligence-related uh, translation. They're doing in excess of $600 million per year. The next one down is the most commercial of the organizations, uh, Lionbridge, which is a GALA member as well, uh, which last year did $419 million in revenue. So as you go down the list, the, the numbers drop pretty rapidly. So what we see here is a market which is uh, growing year over year, has tremendous value uh, to the global economy, ensuring that uh, products which are produced in one country can be used in others, but uh, is still relatively immature in terms of the, the usual economic models that look for a concentration of a few vendors, a few suppliers doing double-digit uh, percentages of the market and then a, a bunch of uh, smaller companies uh, circling around. So we're still at the uh, case here where there's no company which has uh, a thoroughly dominant position. And in fact, uh, just two years ago, the largest company in the, the market was absorbed by the second largest company in the market in a, a buyout. So we expect to see more of that happening in this space. In part, what that means for somebody looking to find and select a, uh, a partner, especially a, a linguistic services partner, there is choice. There's uh, as Don says, it's a fragmented market, so there are many players. Uh, important things to consider uh, are the point I mentioned earlier of uh, in-country native translation because translation and language is such a key and critical part of localization, uh, but also subject matter expertise. Seek and find a uh, linguistic service provider that can demonstrate expertise in your area. Uh, find somebody who has a demonstrated uh, um, history of success with their existing clients who can demonstrate experience with and, and expertise with technologies that exist today to enhance the translation and localization process, and, and find somebody who has a long-term uh, and partnership-oriented and process-focused uh, uh, approach to how they supply localization services. As Don mentioned before, uh, other key and critical points are Translation and localization is largely about process and is something uh, that is for the long term. And so the establishment of, of long-term relations uh, is important. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. Thank you, John. Thank you. And that does it for this edition of the SearchSAP.com podcast series on globalization, localization, and internationalization. Until next time, I'm John Frankie. Thanks for joining us.